the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10, and we're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that can impact your financial life financial news, choices that you may not be aware of, opportunities, potential problems. We're sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm. And we've been around more than 36 years helping individual businesses and families in the greater Cleveland area um, through good and bad times and helping people get clarity on what they should be doing with their financial life, whether they're working or already in their retirement years, what things that they need to be aware of that could derail their financial plan, and then how to address those things. Or if they're worried about something, often it's the case that someone comes in, even for the free consultation, what they're worried about really isn't a reality because they've had no way to see the long-term effect of their short-term decisions and they're going to be okay. Or for some people who think they're going to be okay, maybe they're not. And what we do at the estate planning team is financial modeling, number crunching, um, objective unbiased analysis, whether we're building a financial model um, based on a worst case scenario or whatever scenarios you want. It's a customized detailed plan. Um, so you know what to do or when you can afford to retire or what you can spend. And then also looking at objectively, you know, the best timing of Social Security, pension elections. Um, certainly we've talked often on the show about IRA distribution or company distribution planning or, you know, if you're faced and you're working, how much should I put into a traditional 401k versus the Roth 401k um, and looking at all these variables and maybe you're okay, maybe we can make it better. Um, and that's what we do. And again, we've been doing this more than 36 years. We offer a free consultation. And also, if you want to do some due diligence, you can check out our reviews and our rating at the Better Business Bureau or Google or Angie's List. Um, we've helped We've been fortunate enough to be around long enough that we're working with the kids of our original clients and even in some cases, the grandkids. So we do offer a free consultation to see if our process is appropriate, if we can even help you. And then we can give you whether it's a comprehensive retainer fee or if it's an hourly option. And we have some incentives if you visit the website. So if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, um, give us a call or send us an email through the website. I did want to remind people, this is the time of year that if you have IRAs, company plans, or similar assets, you may have opportunities and steps you could take between now and the end of the year that can minimize your future tax liability, which is even more important if you believe tax rates are going up. 
in the future. Often people miss an opportunity. Each tax year spends or stands alone. And this is the time of year that we're looking at our clients. We're gearing up for year-end planning and looking at Roth conversion analysis, IRA distributions, qualified charitable distributions, you know, um, what other things that you may be missing out on that you can create future tax efficient income, or at least stack the odds in your favor, because we don't know what tax laws will do. We all we can do is work with what we have now and use again, opportunities. So if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, we offer that by phone or in person, you can call us at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. We will call you back on Monday or send an email through the website, financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. We're co-owners of the estate planning team. Oh, good morning, Carrie. Yeah, thanks for bringing the call. You know, we're taping this show on Friday and it's mm-hmm. National Coffee Day. So, Carrie, oh, thanks is for it? bringing in the... Oh, you brought in the coffee. Oh. <clears throat> Carrie, you didn't warn me it was Irish coffee. Oh. Um, but no, the... Uh, so a lot of... A lot of economic data. You know, we're waiting for the government to shut down. This is the government shut down yet, Karen? No, right, I feel like that. You know, check what? the panda bear camera out. Is it is it is it working? You know what I think? What happens is they play this game of chicken, and the people in the military or certain people. You know, I think Congress should just give up their salaries because you know, God knows they make tons of money elsewhere. In there, they're not going to vote for that, Carrie. But um, no. So let me check the panda bear camera. The Smithsonian. No, there's the bear, Carrie. So the government's not shut down yet, but you know they uh, they're they're worried about the fat bear week up in Alaska, Carrie. That's one of your favorite things, right? Okay, you haven't heard about no. that one. Okay, so every week or every year, it's like October, the first week of October. Apparently, there's this big festival in Alaska. They call it the Fat Bear Week. Okay, where they try to go out into the wilderness and see if they can photo the the Bigfoot, the biggest, okay, fattest so. bear every year. And no, that, thank you. That'll be, That'd be uh, kind of cool, but I, I'm yeah, not interested in chasing park, a bear. Yeah, but it's not going to happen this year, Carrie, because the government's going to shut down uh, oh, Saturday night at midnight. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, we're taping the show on Friday morning. Maybe Kevin McCarthy can pull something out of the hat to try to g- stop this from happening. I don't think, I, you know, it's not only the shutdown, Carrie. A lot of people think this will be Kevin McCarthy's last stand. And his and he will be uh, out ousted, um, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So we we got, um, you know, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we got big economic, you know, important economic data this week. You know, GDP and PCE, and we're looking at that because that's a combination of you know, are you worried that we're going to you know land in a recession? Um, which is, you know, detrimental to your financial mm-hmm. plan, or do you think we will skate by and, and the feds will be able to navigate a soft landing, so to speak? Um, so we'll talk a little bit about data there. Um, as we said, a lot of headwinds right now. It, you know, the government shut down. That's a big headwind. Um, the, how about the, uh, the UAW strike? That's just I, getting- I said I really thought that it would be done by now well, that they would negotiate. you know what a cost the economy is carry for one every week? day oh, i was gonna say it, they said for the first week it's 1.6 billion that's what i'm saying i figure at some point and they said gonna... week two is going to be more expensive than that and every week after that gets more expensive 
Right. Um, now, I, I think there's some, I, you know, in other words, UAW started at a 40% pay raise. The companies came in at kind of like 20%. Then one of the, you know, one of the big three said, well, maybe 21%. Then the UAW said, well, how about 36%? Now, I think the most recent I heard this morning is that UAW is going down to 30%. I mean, that's what I, you know, somewhere can we compromise? You're going to have to compromise. Isn't that what a negotiation? You know what? The yeah. workers aren't going to get they, what they want. And, and, of course, Joe Biden, <laughs> you know, President Biden oh, goes on the picket line for t- a few minutes oh, for photo shoots. He just needs to but shut he's up. in a he's got a dilemma, right? Because he, they're pushing this EV incredibly, right? And the, the UAW union workers are saying, I don't know. We want that. And, 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 and plus, who's buying those? EVs, Carrie. The wealthy. I don't want to buy those. It's, they're expensive, and they're expensive to maintain. They're expensive to how well, electricity. I don't think they're expensive cost. to maintain because the maintenance there's maintenance free basically. Right, but there's still though maintenance if you ever need to replace the well, battery. We got to replace the battery. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, so so, and then now it's 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 the middle class taxpayer dollars subsidizing the class who are buying fifty thousand dollar EVs so they can get a tax credit. And then, and, 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 and obviously they know there's a lot less workers needed to build an EV than it does like, uh, the, the gas combustion engine. It's just, I don't know. China's loving this, right? Cause, cause China's just sitting back. They're just be laughing at us because mm-hmm. they would like to see nothing more than the U.S. auto industry to fall flat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that puts them, you know, the solid lead of, you know, the EV world and the batteries and everything else. So it's, it's, it's beyond, uh, a, an auto. Uh, issue, Carrie. This is a uh, societal problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how are you know? First of all, this this whole idea that we have to go to EVs so quickly. I don't know. I don't I, yeah, I, I don't want to because the look at the price of electricity. I mean, Give me wor- a good yeah. old gas car. I mean, the only thing worse than news than that was the Gia, the GOP debate. Did you watch the second GOP debate? No, I didn't even know there was. Carrie, I just it was the worst so damn hard. debate I've ever seen in my life. Who who was the winner then, Mark? I, 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 Trump. Because the, I heard I now well, since you mentioned it was this week, I looked it up. It said um, that his name was brought up several times. It was bad, Carrie. I mean, the moderators were bad. The question, some of their questions were bad. One of the questions was like, who would you vote off the island? Meaning it was, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, it was like the, the candidates. Were up there. And one of the questions was, you know, write down on the pad in front of you, which one of the other people on stage you would vote to kick, kick off. The, the, they refused weird. to answer it. You know, they said, Gets, we're talking here about, you know, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, moderators were terrible. Um, the candidates' decorum was bad. They they kept talking over each other. They had their own agendas. None of them, you know, they no matter what question was asked them, they just had their their pre you know lines that they wanted to get out. Um, I mean, Mike Pence's jokes, Carrie, were very bad. Well, I don't think of him as a like uh, <clears throat> a witty or a humorous no. man. I mean, he, he can't tell a joke to save his life. That's what I'm saying. That's really not a characteristic of him. Oh, they they were so bad. Um, I mean, the 9 p.m. start time was bad. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even stay up for the whole thing. I was, it was so bad. I was like, I can't even watch this. And you know, the viewership ratings, Carrie. Guess what? They were bad. Yeah. Um, so the first GOP debate had 12.8 million viewers. Okay, that's not great. 
Um, what, there's 160 million registered voters probably in this country right now. Um, but this this debate, it was below 10 million. It was 9.3 mm-hmm. million. That's less than 6%. I mean, yeah. w- w- you know, Trump, as a comparison, Trump's first gap debate, remember in Cleveland, I was at it, right? Um, it, there were 24 million, you know, I mean. Wow. And then, and there was no drop off in the second debate because it was Trump was the show. Um, so it's, they're getting worse. It's no longer debatable in my term, my mind, Gary. If Trump does not commit to attend, there's supposedly a third GOP debate. If Trump can't commit to attending or says he's not going, they should just cancel it. I mean, no one's watching. There were no standouts? No, no, there were no. And, and people say, oh, well, they're all vying for a VP position. No, they're not. I mean, half the people on the stage, Trump is not going to pick. I mean, he's not going to pick Chris Christie to a VP. He's Absolutely not. He's not, not going to pick DeSantis. Nikki Haley burned the bridges with Trump long ago. Um, I, I mean, no. I mean, Trump, he's, I, you know, I don't know who will pick for a VP, but it's got to be somebody that can bring him either Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, or Wisconsin. I mean, those are it. It's all about those four states, right. Gary. So, you know, if Trump's got to, the rest of the people that should just drop out all the Republican you know, money and effort should go into winning one of those four states, Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Wisconsin. And Trump's got to pick a VP that can bring on one of those states. It's not easy, but and, oh God, it was such a bad <clears throat> debate. Gary. Um, well, I'm glad I didn't waste my time. The uh, yeah. And, and, and the government shut down, you know, you don't have to be worried about your social security checks. They are still going to come. Um, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, they're not really, you know, affected at all. Um, so there's a lot of questions about that. Um, so obviously you can't, you know, turn on the panda bear camera. Um, you can't visit the national parks, things like that. Um, now it's really going to hurt are the people that are furloughing. I was going to say, I was um, thinking they're going to hurt the military. Now they'll get their back pay. Well, this in past circumstances, they got their back pay. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, see, so looking at the, um, the data, economic data, um, so we, we got the third and final reading on the second quarter GDP. Okay. All right. Um, and so this is kind of how it stands. And there was no change from the second reading, 2.1%. Anyway, so so going, remember the first reading, well, the, for the first quarter, it came out to be 2.0%. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> then in the first reading of the second quarter, came in at 24 you know, which was pretty, you know, pretty positive. Right. Then the second reading, it dropped back down to 2.1. This third and final reading, it also dropped to 2.1. So still higher than the first quarter, 2.0, Again, that's not indicating a recession. You know, that's far from two negative GDP quarters in a row. All right. Um, So now, remember, also, in the previous show, I was going over the Fed dot plots. Because they, you know, they they came out with that, and just to remind people, so what were they projecting GDP to be? Okay, so it's interesting because in 2023, 
their latest projections for GDP was 2.1%. Okay. Right where it basically is Came right in. Now. Okay. Now, next year, they, they are projecting it's going to go down to 1.5%. Ooh. Um, but certainly not negative. Okay. Now, could there be possibly two negative quarters in there? I guess. But it's still, remember, it's not the official definition of a recession. Right. It's, it's, it's one of the indicators when they look in their rearview mirror. But the, the other more subjective is, was there a long disdained downturn in the U.S. economy? So if if there is that, then along with the two negative GDP quarters, they usually say, "Yep, that was a recession," um, and that's what we didn't have last year. Remember, there were the, the two there were two consecutive negative GDP quarters, but the one there was barely negative. Right. But but no, it wasn't really a long pain. I mean, you know, people, you know, were still spending the stimulus money. Um, now, so so it looks like you know that it, it's coming where it is. Now we also got. PCE, you know, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, that's the one the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation indicator, right? Um, So how did that turn out? And again, we can look at core or we can look at headline. Most people want to look at headline, so we'll start there. All right, headline, so annual year over year came in at 3.5%, all right, which was ticked up from the previous annualized of 3.3 percent okay now a lot of that may be associated with gasoline because remember in the headline food and energy are included right um and and so now it's still though back in january you know you know it's at it was at 5.4 percent annualized so it's gone from 5.4 to 3.5 um, and it, so that again is indicating the trend or the, the inflation has peaked um, but it's the jagged peak, right? And it's not coming down. Remember, inflation went up like a rocket carry right. and coming down like a feather, right? Um, month over month, some people want to look at that more recently. And this, again, I think indicates p- the gas price increases that we've seen at the mm-hmm. pump. Um, so, uh, August, you know, came in at 0.4%, where the previous two months were 0.2%. Okay. Okay. And then May was 0.1%. And then last April was 0.4%. So April was 0.4, May 0.1, January or June and July 0.2, and now August back up to 0.4. But let's look at head, uh, let's look at core as opposed to headline because that's what most adults in the room look right. at. They look at core um, PCE. And certainly the Federal Reserve looks at core um, because, again, they're the first ones to admit that, you know, their policies, monetary policy can't control global oil prices mm-hmm. or global food prices for that matter. You know, the fact is, who does, who, Gary, who, can anyone control global oil prices, by the way? No. I mean, I don't even know what President Biden's energy policy is. Do Biden you? probably could if we, you know kept the keystone pipeline going yeah i don't even know what i don't you know i don't even know what his energy policy is but i know what opec's energy policy is carrie Mm -hmm. and that is to raise prices um no doubt about that and they can do it um now so if we look at core pce okay annual came in at 3.9 percent better than previous 4.2 percent um better than may's 4.6 percent Better than January's 4.7%. So from the beginning of the year, it ended the year at 4.4%. Then January 4.7%, February 4.6%, March 46 
April 4.7, May 4.6, very sticky, right, Carrie? Right. Um, June 4.1, said, oh, maybe we're getting a little better. Then July peaked back right up, or ticked back up to 4.2, but now August down to 3.9. So it's broke the 4% okay. level for the first time in a long time, right? Um, and then if we look at month over month or the latest 30 days, even a more, you know, a, a more recent trend, okay, it came in at 0.1%, better than the previous 0.2%. Um, in January, for example, it was 0.6%. So we can see, again, indication that inflation has peaked. The trend is lower. I know a lot of people don't believe that, um, but we'll see. So what was so what is the Federal Reserve, what were they projecting in their most recent dot plots that the PCE would be, would be, all right? So, for example, so for 2023, they thought it would... Um, you know, the core would end at 3.7% for the year. And currently it's, or this latest August annualizes 3.9. Hmm. So they're, they're right. Right there. Right there. All right. Um, and then they're saying next year, 2024, it would be 2.6%. And then 2025, 2.3%. And then in 2026, down to their target, 2%. Now, that was the big change they made. Originally, or up till this most recent dot plot, they were, they were projecting that they would get to their 2% target by 2025. They pushed that out a whole year. So we're recommending our clients to push out the higher inflation a whole year. All right. Um, so so that's, you know, kind of what what's... That we what we saw in economic data, um, and the the idea is how do we how do you manage your financial planning with this uncertainty about inflation? Well, there's various ways you can do it. I tell you how we do it for our clients, the estate planning team. Most of our clients believe that this you know higher for longer theory that yeah we, we we you know and I don't think. After we discuss it with clients, sometimes new clients come in and they still want to talk about hyperinflation. Care, right. right. Very rarely now. I don't think people. And I mean, I've seen too heard... many articles. With, you know, maybe they've smartened up now. The the. But do you DIY. remember the hype? As soon as inflation and costs were going up, it was hyperinflation. Yeah, and and nobody even understands hyperinflation. By the way, in terms of again official or the most official definition is 50% price increases carry, right? Not annually, monthly. Right. That's 50% monthly. Right. But it was it got people to read the article. Yeah. Now, some people I think the you know, a lot of people just in their minds think double digit inflation is hyperinflation. Right. 10%. Oh, 10% annually is all far away from 50% monthly. Right. All right. Um, just do the math on that. Um, now, so yeah, so but I and 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 again, we keep telling people, no, we don't think inflation's going to ten percent. And then we always get well, we always get the 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 conspiracy, you know, mm -hmm. who says, oh well, they're all lying to us, which and could I, be true. I agree. All the all the politicians lie. 
both Democrats and Republicans. I was going to say, I don't trust our government. But it's not really the politicians. It, you know, it, it's the, well, it's how they're calculating the numbers. And But here's my point. If that's your theory, mm-hmm. that you, we kind of say, well, then why look at any of those? Why don't you just compute your personal inflation? Which honestly is going to be more accurate and realistic because you've talked on the show, Mark, where, and I'm in that, where people may, to keep things under, make, make different, choices at the grocery store or different financial choices where other people say no if it costs more i like my brands i like my thing whatever that could be they're gonna pay the difference but everybody's different because who cares what the general is right. isn't it come down to what is my spending what's my expenditures every month that's what it comes down to yeah and and if you say well mark i don't know how to calculate my personal inflation rate well you need to get started in other words, you need to build a history. Mm-hmm. So once you've done the work, then you can start tracking it. So that's the idea of, you know, you 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 strike your, your expenses, you know, now or today. Right. All right. And then you strike them again 12 months from right. now. It might be going through the checkbook, at, you know, the online banking. It may be going through your credit cards. What's, what did that same thing cost me a year ago? Right. And there's lots of DIY um, calculators out there. You can do it. You can do it on a simple Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there's there's things out there that you can use uh, where you can get. Uh, you know, of course, if you become our clients, we do that for our clients. Right. We we start with we have kind of our own uh, template. You know, for expenses because some of the internet templates are pretty bad. I mean, they don't really break it down enough. Um, you really want to get a, if you're really concerned about it, you really want to zero in on what your mandatory spending or essential spending, your day to day living. And then also what is the discretionary and, or and, fixed spending? You can take your mortgage doesn't change yeah. your car payment. And then you may want to then see, because then you, you, you may want to see that. Yeah, certain, you know, we, we may be using two or three different inflation rates for any one of our clients models based on the characteristic of the expense, right? Um, and that gets more realistic. But anyways, the, the point is you start tracking your two expenses. So over a year, you could then say, okay, how much did they increase over it? Now, if you're doing it monthly, you could also say, if you wanted to get and say, well, what's the latest trend? You could do it that way as well. So it's certainly, um, if that may be the best way to do it, that's kind of how we actually, uh, you know, uh, do it. You know, we, you know, we, well, in other words, we have our clients. That's what all our clients are right now are pretty much in the camp that thinks that, yeah, we're going to have this higher inflation. So maybe we're using four or five percent inflation for this year, then maybe four to four and a half percent inflation next year. And then maybe by the following year, three and a half to four, you know, that type of thing. Now, none of our clients, Carrie, ever really want us to use as low as the 2% right. federal target, you know, and that's fine, you know, you, you, you know, but even when we're, but it, for years when inflation was below that, that low, um, and our clients were using three or three and a half percent, they were always ahead of plan. Right. And, and, and that made them feel, it may, gives you peace of mind. And, and, you know, because the expenses were actually coming in lower than the three and a half percent inflation that we added to them. Um, so that, but that's the idea that, that you, you know, when you're building the model, you want to use conservative and realistic assumptions. And you might want to say, well, if it's a little bit worst case scenario, you know, why don't we do that?
All right. And if you want us to look at your plan model and you're concerned about inflation, the market, taxes, you know, if I can afford to retire, maybe I'm going to be forced to retire or I want to do something else or I'm in retirement. Maybe you want to do things, but you're not worried because you're concerned about this longest anticipated recession that we keep talking about, whatever that is, we may be able to help. We're not investment advisors. We look at our clients' assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency. Um, We build these financial models and give you objective, unbiased advice and provide you analysis that'll give you peace of mind, clarity, and hopefully save you money as well. You can call the estate planning team for a free consultation. We're scheduling those now through the end of the year by phone or in person. But if you do want to look at your end planning, whether it's Roth conversions, IRA distribution, cash flow planning, um, whatever that may be, you might want to come in sooner than the end of the year to give time to analyze and then implement. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. This is the Mark Downey and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over those decades, we certainly have seen a lot more of what I call the DIYI, right? The mm-hmm. do-it-yourself internet. And the internet is obsessed with telling us what the average retiree, who they are or what they have, right? Mm-hmm. right? And in a world, in the U.S., what, there's 50 million retirees? Carrie, the average means nothing. Right. I don't care. It's yeah. when I'm going to retire. You know, we have people retire at 75. Other people want to retire at 55. Who can, you know, or, or so did, what about your neighbor or coworker? What do you want? What do you want your life to be like? But also, yeah, or who cares what the average 401k balance is or what the average social security check is or what the average age of retirement? I mean, mm-hmm. does it really matter? Because in 50 million, an average is... Can right, you, and they even do that with spending. What's the average person spend on this? Oh, well, Carrie, funny you should say that. Okay, because I was going to say I... Because I brought receipts. Okay. So here's exactly how much retiree households spend in a year, Carrie. Okay. It's an article written for you. Oh, all right. All right. Um, all right. So U.S. households led by someone who is 65 or older, I guess how they're, that's how they're right. defining it. I don't know if that means you're retired or not, Carrie, quite honestly, but we'll go with their, you know, assumption. Okay. U.S. households led by someone who is 65 or older spend, Carrie, guess how much on average. We're going to leave I was going to say 60000 <laughs> Carrie, oh, no, it's $57,818. Right, I was going to say everybody. Why Carrie and I are rolling our eyes about that? Because when we have a new client come in, and we start the discussion about you know how much you think you're spending a year. That's the answer. Five thousand a month is usually the ballpark. That's the answer. Without those are people guess. And you know what? Actually, a lot of times when they go into the detail, unless they're a detail person, we have those people that but but on the average, you know, some people spend more than that, and rarely do we have people spend less than. Although we do have some. And and usually um, when we drill down into that number, that is more maybe more of like the what we call the essential daily living expenses, as opposed to all the other spending that's not fitting into that, mm-hmm. like new automobiles, or home improvements, mm-hmm. or travel, or um, charitable gifting. 
or maybe you're family giving some gifting. money to the kids. Yeah. Maybe you forgot that they'll say, I don't do gifts for my, what about birthdays? What about Christmas? Yeah. What about future weddings? Yeah. Your own children's weddings or have you been invited to any weddings where, you know, you have to maybe, you know, you know, give a gift. All right. Um, now, they said by comparison, the average across all households, Carrie, not just 65 and older. Guess what that, uh, do you have any guess on that? Mm, no. 72,000. Okay, call it so 73,000. Okay. Okay. Um, and when you look at that, that 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 kind of supports one of the right. old general rules of thumb is that it says that assume that in, in when you're retired that you're going to need 80% of what you were spending before right because if we take the 72,000 73,000 times 80% that's going to be around 58,000 which is about you know it, it's, now but i i hate that rule personally because i feel like People are working. Maybe you were involved with your kids. And now in your retirement, now you actually get to spend your money and think about what hobbies, what travel, what maybe household, whatever. I mean, now you can spend it on yourself because having freedom of time allows you to think about those things. Right. And and a lot of things. And, and now there's various um, ideas or hypotheses of where the 20 percent, 80 80 percent rule comes from one is perhaps that they're saying that you know it, when you're retired first of all you don't have to pay those payroll those nasty payroll taxes anymore right so what that's about what 7.65 percent right okay and then another one is saying well when you're retired assuming you were saving the 10 to 15 percent of your pay you don't have to do that when you're retired because now you're moving into the accumulation. Right, but I don't think that, that you're is moving from the accumulation right, but I don't to the think distribution that is phase. necessarily an expense. That's No, just but a, it's it, it, it's a spending. It's a cash flow. In other words, you didn't in other words, if you were including that, you know, that You're talking about cash flow because I'm thinking, yeah, I don't consider that spending. You're saying because it's coming out of their cash flow, their Right, if income, they're starting with their it's gross income, can. it's kind of like an expense because they, right. they don't get to spend it. So they're saying, well, yeah, you don't have to cover that 20%, right. um, you know, coming out of your Social Security or whatever. You know, so um, anyway, so, but whatever. So, but let's break that down because this gets back to one of the rules that I want to talk about today, which is the 50-30-20 rule, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, because the idea is the, 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 the retirement problem that a lot of the baby boomers are experiencing is that, you know, they, they haven't managed their, you know, their, 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 they took their lifestyle, their spending up higher than what they should have. You know, the 50, 30, 20 rule is basically a, a rule that says, you know, if you want to build a, a, a financial, you know, be financially independent and during your lifetime, when you start working, if you can manage to uh, live below, you know, live below what your gross making, right. in other words, the 20% is how much you're saving. Whether that's a company plan, whether that's an emergency, um, that doesn't really matter. It's 20% is money you're putting aside for some future date. And then the remaining 80% is what you're spending, 50% for your daily essential living expenses. Including taxes and including payroll taxes. And 30% for discretionary. The fun stuff, all right? Gifting, travel, right. hobbies, entertainment, things like that. So that's the 50, 30, 20 rule. And by the way, if you follow that, if you start that rule when you're 25 years old, 
it doesn't matter if you're making 50000 or or 100000 you're going to have a great retirement. Mm-hmm. Because if you can maintain that and not get caught up in what we call lifestyle creep, where right. every time you get a pay increase, you're increasing your discretionary spending, you're not increasing your savings. Or for some reason, I thought, how many people don't follow that? I don't know why I had a flash of Taylor Swift concerts. You talked about like a few weeks ago, the cost to go. Like, How many people spend, like young people aren't thinking about savings. They're thinking about what they want now. Yeah. I, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to follow the 50, 30, 20 Right. It needs some self-discipline. Um, and yeah, you know, now, but let's see how they broke the, these numbers down. This is the, you know, the 65 and older. So they broke it down, Carrie, on percentage of where there's, where the money is going. Okay. So remember they're, they're, they're dealing with a group of households who is led by somebody 65 or older. So housing, okay? Gary, housing goes into the mandatory. Mandatory. Okay. Um, 35.22% of their income is going to housing. Okay. Um so if you take that basically, you know, the, the 73,000, or I'm sorry, the, that's the 58,000, which is the average, right? about 20,000 is going to housing or about six, about $1,700 a month. The second largest category, transportation, hmm. which obviously would include, you know, what, how much so you're of talking automobile. your car, your gas, your insurance, okay. repairs. Maintenance, right. Okay. Um, that's about $8,172 annually or about $681 monthly. That's high. Well, that's not high if you're still financing an automobile, right? right? Or financing two. Yeah, if it's two, yeah. Okay. Um, third, health care. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, about 13% is going to health care. About seventy five hundred a year, about six hundred twenty eight a month. Now, again, we're assuming this is at least two a right. couple, but because um, it says U.S. households led by someone who is sixty five or older, so we're assuming it's not a single person. Um, okay, well, Medicare B right now is what one sixty four ninety. Yes, that's about that's where it starts. So that's about three thirty a month. At this level, it would be, you know, this level of 58000 a year, we would assume that. Um, and then what's the other $298? I know that could be a, a Medicare supplemental, could be a prescription drug plan, you know, something along those lines. All right. Next is food. Okay. Um, and food is about 8.3% of the total budget. Now, they broke that down. Um, actually, yeah, they, they, they break, they, they broke food down, which we also do for our clients between food at home. That's the groceries right. versus eating out, dining. Right. Out. Well, and I think some people lump it together because some people. Right. But we say separate it because to us, at least well, I don't care. I, I don't. When I talk don't? to people, I think you do <laughs> probably because like I cook, I mean, I eat out less now, but. I cook out of necessity. I hate to cook. See, I love, you the, love cook. to cook. That's yeah, the no, that's my problem. So um, if I can find easy right. shortcuts so that I, are reasonable, so I, 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 I say dining out's discretionary. Carrie, you say it's mandatory. It's mandatory at least to 
day or two a week. Well, I, okay, so we can play around with that. So uh, the difference, they said about 8.3% is at home eating and about 4.34% is dining out. So, and then the fifth highest is utilities and public services. And that's about 7.33% of the budget, um, about $353 a month. Um, you can compare. I don't know if that's all your subscriptions. Okay. But are subscriptions mandatory or discretionary? Depends how you feel. I guess if you're in a profession. I mean, obviously, your heat and electric. Right. And- the, but as far as you said subscriptions. Well, they. I don't know if. It, it, but do it they could include, be. I don't. They don't. I don't know if they bro, if they put that in there. Okay. I mean, um, utility. I mean, most people utilities. You don't. I mean, cell phones, um, Netflix. I don't know. Or is that entertainment? So then we get into the ones that you know. Next is uh, entertainment. Okay, and that's about four point six two percent of the budget. About two hundred twenty three dollars a month. So I don't know. Maybe that includes the um, and the Amazon Prime and the and then the 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 remaining percentage that they don't really break out. They just label other is about thirteen percent. Now I, I assume that's pretty much all discretionary at this right. point. Um, about six hundred twenty three a month. So when you when you look at these numbers, now I'm putting dining out in the discretionary carry. Okay. Okay. Um, so doing that. You come to about 78% mandatory mm-hmm. and about 22% discretionary. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why. That stinks. That's why <laughs> the baby boomers are failing because that's not the 50 30 20 rule. No. All right. I was um, going to say that sucks. I mean, that's not a good place to be. Um, and you know, but that's you know it, that's kind of the difference. But right? but I also mark see when I know you're using this, as, but when people come in, they're often could spend more, and sometimes they can't. But some people can spend more, and they don't because they don't know. They're afraid of running out of money, so they don't spend, and they in reality, can do more discretionary probably because they were more frugal and save money earlier on. Right. And so it, it, it leads, all, it all strings back to the idea that, so this was looking at the, the $65. It, what tells me is that this group or the, the, the majority here, the average here, they did not follow the 50, 30, 20 rule when they started working at age 25. Because if they were following that rule, they wouldn't be at 65 where they'd be in this position where, you know, the uh, yeah. And yeah, it it gets back to that. And it's also the idea of a lot of people say, well, obviously, the level of pay matters tremendously here. And we keep saying, I know it really doesn't. But I can see why people say, why wouldn't you? If I make more, I'm going to have, it's going to be a lot easier to hit my 50% in mandatory versus, and the 30% discretionary. If I'm making more, that's a bigger piece of the pie to, bigger pie to take from. Right. But but what happens is that lifestyle creep It's because people tend to spend what they make. And if you're not following that 20% percent 
with uh, savings, you get behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to get catch up when you're 65 years old. Okay. Um, now, but, but we could show you that even a minimum wage job, you know, if you started with a 50, 30, 20 um, discipline, mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. And, and what is minimum wage these days, these you know? I don't even know. Well, um, all right. So it, it's just funny, California, Gavin Newsom, who a lot of oh people think God. is POTUS in the waiting wings, right? Oh, um, my gosh. That man's an idiot. So California just raised their minimum wage, Carrie. Okay. $20 an hour. I believe that. Well, it's California. Look at their gas prices. That's why people are le- fleeing the state. But it, it it was driven by the the uh, fat. Oh, I can't call them fast food workers. What, is, what, is what do you mean you can't call them fast no, workers? They don't call, no, my, my younger one did. He doesn't. No, it's I quick call them, service, Gary. I call them a fast food worker. No, it's, it's quick service. Well, you know, what's it, what difference does it make? It makes fast a big food? difference. Yeah. Um, You're still doing the same job. <laughs> so Newsom, Gavin Newsom made this big pitch that what he's saying is that because it was the it was the fast food workers like they're not quick like, service quick service workers <laughs> who were like complaining, and so Newsom is making an argument, Carrie, that working in a quick service is no longer a stepping stone teenager job. Right, it's a career. For some people that want to go into management. No, no, no. We're not talking about management. You know what? Okay. My son worked at one for most of the good part earlier this year for about six months. You know what? He had moms with kids of flexibility since he worked there. You had kids from college. You had most people, unless they were managed, there were a few, but in management positions, weren't doing this for a career. But Gavin Newsom says they are. Well, he's it's the new definition. Well, so I, they're making. That's why it's twenty bucks an hour because they're saying that the fast food jobs are careers. See, but he's making an assumption. Well, he's an idiot. But here's the thing. You know what they're going to do? Just put more automated. The cashier, when you go in, and you're just going to click in your order. They're going to have to cut back on workers. Um, now, who is this? Now. It's not all fast. It's not the mom and pop. It's a, so the restaurants, they have to have at least 60 locations nationwide. It's kind of like they're kind of unionizing almost. But um, anyways, yeah. But yeah, the major- and the majority of those workers, there's California has 550,000 employees in the Which, uh, in all fast honesty, food industry. Ex- expensive as it is to live in California, probably 20 bucks an hour is equivalent to what? Well, that's 12 what, here? Well, you know, and it said most workers are women or people of color. Um, but yeah, but let's say you have a, a, a young a, a couple um, making twenty dollars an hour. Um, okay, that's forty thousand a year, Carrie. Right, if they're working full right. time. But in California, if two of those that's eighty thousand. Right. So, but can fast food restaurants pay somebody forty thousand dollars a year? No, that's what I'm saying. They're going to go to more automated. Here come the robots. But but my point is, let's if you were there, if you, if you let's say maybe the, your spouse is only working part time, so sixty thousand a year. But I can show you if if you started sixty thousand a year and followed the fifty thirty twenty rule, right? You're going to have a great retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but the question is, can the fifty thirty twenty rule? Save the fifty-year-old who hasn't started saving for retirement. Well, yet. maybe it won't be the fifty, thirty, twenty. Maybe it needs to be the 
50-25 rule. Um, and Or 50-20-25 rule or 20-30 instead of 30-20. Um, all right. So we can run some numbers on that. Um, and if we start, so now let's make some assumptions. So, Carrie, so let's say the 50-year-old um, couple, whatever, you could run a single or couple, but let's say at this point they're making a hundred thousand a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, either combined, you know, or what have you. Okay, and let's say um, they get two percent, assume two percent cost of living increases. Okay, so age fifty, let's say they plan on retire at their at their fifty year old today. Their full Social Security retirement age would be sixty seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say they now they they haven't started saving for retirement yet. Okay, so they want to know, Mark, can the 50, 30, 20 rule save me at this point? Well, they got to start by saying, how much are you spending? Right. But Mm -hmm. if we break the numbers down, so 50 percent, 50,000 goes into the mandatory living expenses, 30,000 goes into discretionary and they got to start saving 20,000 a year. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and let's assume a five percent rate of return on their investments. Okay, that's conservative, especially with fixed rates being four to five percent. Okay, right now, now. So if we get to now, so if we get so now, I'm running that you know math out, and then every year their hundred thousand pay goes up by two percent. So theoretically, the other their other amounts are going. In other words, if you, if they were spending fifty thousand the first year, they're going to be spending fifty one thousand the second year mm-hmm. on mandatory, and and thirty thousand six hundred, and now the second year they're saving twenty thousand four hundred. Everything's going up by two percent a year, and then they're getting five percent return on the savings. So running that down now, let's see where we're cutting it off at age sixty seven. The idea here is that they're they're maintaining that twenty percent savings rate, okay, um, while they're also saying that they're keeping their living expenses in the, the remaining eighty. Right. That's the difficult part. Right. Okay. Um, but that's what we call managing your lifestyle creep. Mm-hmm. All right. Now. Um, and the reason, you know, and, and now, so when we get down to age 67, okay, now the 50000 that they were spending in year one, right, has grown to 70000 Okay. Okay. And the discretionary 30000 has now grown to 42000 So they're combined... Is one hundred twelve thousand. So now they're going into retirement. They want to know, hey, can I now maintain that lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. In retirement, okay. Um, now they're going to have Social Security. So let's say the primary is going to have about forty eight thousand dollars in Social Security, and let's say another spousal, you know, twenty four thousand, half that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're going to have that. Okay, and then the uh, the balance has got to come now from the nest egg, mm-hmm. which they started their nest egg at age fifty. Now the cumulative amount by age sixty seven is six hundred eighty four thousand. Okay. All right. 
That's a 5% growth. Okay. So now the question is, well, are they going to make it? In other words, can they maintain now that lifestyle, 112000 Right. They don't have to do the 20% savings anymore, right? right? Okay. Because now they're using up their accumulated right. assets. So now we can piggyback on Bill Benjamin's 4% rule. Okay. Okay, because now they're starting it. Um, so their their first year of retirement, they're going to be 68. Let's run Benjamin's 30 years out. That takes them to 97. That's probably long okay. enough, right? Um, 4% rule, meaning that um, they're going to assume five, again, continue assuming 5% earnings, um, 3.5%. Coley on, on the annual distributions and starting the first year with the 4%. Mm-hmm. So 684861 first year withdrawal, 27874 Okay. Mm-hmm. And then that 27874 withdrawal goes up every year by 3.5%. Okay. Their Social Security goes up every year by a cost of living increase. That's what keeps their lifestyle right. going. All right. For 30 years. Um, so the total you have their 40, you know, he's got the primary 48,000 social security, the spousal 24,000, the 50% spousal and the 27,874 investment withdrawal in year one. Mm-hmm. So that's a hundred thousand. Hmm. And what did they say they needed? 112. Right. So they're right there. Are they in the ballpark? Yes. Okay. Um, and that is saying so we could theoretically save that say that even the fifth you know, the fifty thirty twenty will could still save the fifty year old who hasn't started saving for retirement yet. But this is the value of the modeling and number crunching. But really what's throwing a wrench though is the inflation. I was going to say, or what if they don't get the 5%? So next week, I'm going to come back and say, well, how do these numbers change? Because we're dealing with this non-transitory inflation. Mm-hmm. And it has a big difference. That's what we'll talk about. Now, hear the music. Carry All right. Call the estate planning team for a free, no obligation consultation by phone or in person. Call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Go Browns. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.